0: Well, good morning. Um, We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 2 this morning. We looked at chapter 1 last week, but uh, this week is, is, I think, pretty special here. Um, We have uh, Matt O'Brien with us this morning from Boise, Idaho, and crew. Some of you know Matt. You've you've heard him speak before. Um, And uh, we also have Kevin. Kevin's weaving his way through the band back there. And uh, so they're here with us this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of work through this passage, but we're also... Um, we're also going to kind of get their background, their experience on what this passage is talking about. Um, so last week when we looked at uh, the first chapter of Ezekiel, we see that God, uh, Jesus Christ, reveals himself to Ezekiel. He comes to Ezekiel. Uh, the Jesus of the New Testament is the Jesus of the Old Testament. And he has always been calling people to represent him um, and share the, the message of who he is and how he desires relationship with us as people. And so he reveals himself in a way that's maybe a little bit hard for us to comprehend, but what we see is his glory and his majesty and his power, um, his sovereignty, that he's in control. We see that he's he's everywhere um, and that he sees everything. He's there's nothing in any of our lives that he's not aware of. Um, And so he reveals himself to Ezekiel in this way and Ezekiel just falls on his face. Um, And uh, what we find is that if we come to know Jesus for who he truly is, that's probably where we would find ourselves as as well, is down on our face. Um, Because of his power and his might, but also because of his love and the wonder of who he is. Um, But the really great thing about uh, Jesus is when we find ourselves face down in front of him, he doesn't leave us there. Uh, He picks us back up and he brings us into a place where he, he calls us. And so when, when Jesus enters into our lives, he does it so that, that we can see the awesomeness of who he is and that we can have a relationship with him, but he also has us here on earth for a purpose. There's a calling involved in each of our lives as we come in relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, now, one of the things that, that uh, you'll hear in our society, maybe you won't directly hear it, maybe it's a little bit more indirect, um, but the idea out there is that we should keep our religious views to ourselves. Um, and I think that it's important for us to understand the culture around us, how people think, um, and, and largely what you'll hear is, you know, that's private, I don't really share that with anybody, we should keep our religious views to ourself. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that God has a different goal in mind for us as Christians than what our culture wants us to do. And so what I want to show you here in, in Ezekiel is that uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great way for us to respond. Uh, there's a great way for us to understand our calling and for how God desires us to respond to a culture that doesn't really want to hear from him, so to speak. Um, and Ezekiel, that's, that's who he's ministering to. He's ministering to a group of people that, that probably don't want to hear what he has to say. Um, and yet at the same time, God's going God's to gonna move him to do that. Um, and so, you know, Matt's in Boise, Idaho, and I think that it's it's pretty clear that keep your religious views to yourself is definitely something there. Now, Kevin, within the, within the Czech Republic, would you say that that is also uh, the mindset there?
1: It's not. Oh, hey, good morning. It's not just the mindset, but it's also it's also being dictated to us by the government. And there's a number of laws that are coming down right now that are governing what can be shared and what can't be shared within the church and outside of the church. And so, it's even a step further of it's not just uh, people saying. I don't want to hear that, but it's the government also starting to say, we're not going to allow you to actually say that. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and there's been some freedom there, and now it seems like there's restriction coming. Yeah, there's,
1: they're starting to just kind of tighten up the rules a little bit of uh, what can be there. And there's freedom. I mean, definitely, we have that opportunity to be able to share what's on our minds and what's on our hearts, but the ways and the forums that, and, and, the, and the places that we can do that are becoming more and more restricted as time goes on.
0: Okay. Yeah. So let's jump into this passage here, uh, the first two verses in Ezekiel chapter 2. So Ezekiel's just seen the glory uh, of God, uh, he's face down, and it says here, "...then he," that's Jesus, "...says to Ezekiel, "...son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. As he spoke with me, the Spirit, the Spirit of God entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking." And so when we look at these two verses, we see that when God calls a person, he does so with ministry in mind. When he called you to be his disciple, to follow him, when Jesus Christ moved in your life, he did it with ministry in mind. We also see that in dwelling, uh, he says that the spirit spoke to me and entered me, empowering, he set me on my feet and specific direction accompany God's call in the lives of his followers. And then I heard him speaking to me. And so these are huge things. These are, uh, we're going to see similarities that we have with Ezekiel in the, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the, the relationship that we have with God now, and we'll see a couple differences, but the Spirit enters Ezekiel. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Spirit was, was sent to specific people for specific missions. Um, in the New Testament, in the relationship that we have with God now, the Spirit indwells every believer all the time. Um, so this is we have some similarities with Ezekiel, some differences too. We definitely are empowered by the Spirit, we're set on our feet by Him, and He gives us specific direction in our lives. Um, and so what I want to hear from you guys, and uh, Matt, I'll start with you. When did you know uh, that God was calling to, to the specific ministry that he has you in?
2: Yeah, first of all, I would just say my wife, Kim. Kim, would you just at least raise your hand so people can see? Kim grew up in this church, um, Hilltop Community Church, previously Carson Valley Ranchos Community Church. And um, so she went to college as a believer in Jesus When I walked on the campus at Idaho State University, I did not know Jesus. I had been raised in a a blended family. My dad raised Catholic. My mom raised Mormon and um, had spent most of my high school years partying. I think what I experienced is I came to personal faith through a student who was involved with Crew. Kim went to college, experienced life among people of her own age and seeing people walking with Jesus and having an impact on people around them. When we got to the point where we were about to graduate, she was graduating with a, a bachelor's in speech pathology and audiology. I graduated with business communications. We both felt like the, what we had seen God do in our own lives and what we were seeing God do in the lives of students around us, that it made the most sense that we would invest in college students going forward.
0: Yeah. So you two were married while you were still, while you were in college? We were
2: married before our senior year.
0: Okay, all right. And then, so you graduate with those two degrees, and you really feel that it's clear that based upon what you've experienced on a college campus, God is calling you to impact college campuses like that. Exactly,
2: but I think what we anticipated, we had an idea that we were going to be Idaho, Utah, Montana. We first learned from crew that our first assignment was going to be San Bernardino, California, which soon became Orlando, Florida, so what we envisioned initially is certainly not what happened. Right. Um, but I think we've just been along for a bit of a ride.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's A.W. A. Tozer quote that comes to mind. It says that God, God never uses anyone um, greatly until he tests them deeply. Um, and I think that, that we have periods of testing in our lives. Is, are you really going to go after this ministry? Are you really going to take this on? Um, and I think that after we've been tested a bit, God says, okay, now go get them. Um, and I think that uh, that kind of sounds like those first couple years. Sure. Um, but uh, And I'm, I'm sure we can all share experiences like that. So how about you, Kevin? How do you end up in Eastern Europe?
1: So my, my story of faith comes uh, right after high school. I grew up in a family. My parents weren't against Christianity, but they definitely weren't for Christianity. Um, and so, you know, similar story with as Matt, uh, grew up in high school, partying, having fun, doing all that kind of stuff. And when I got to college, um, it was actually a professor that shared faith with me from another university, and it was kind of a package deal. I accepted Jesus and then went to his university. Um, but it was yeah, it was like a package thing. I don't know. Maybe it's part of <coughs> admissions recruitment or something. But um, so I accepted faith, and, and almost right from the beginning. And I mean, I know when I accepted faith. I don't know when this feeling, though, happened that I knew inside of me that I was, I was to work for the church. I was, that was, I was going to do professional ministry for the rest of my life, and I just knew that. And so a lot of different paths were laid out before me um, when I was kind of trying to figure out what happens after college. And uh, in my senior year, actually my super senior year, um, I was about to go into finals week, and a friend of mine invited me to uh, join a, an, a 10-month missions trip uh, to teach English overseas in the Czech Republic. And I said, well, that sounds whatever, it's a job for 10 months, I don't, I don't even know where the Czech Republic is. And so I filled out the application form, uh, turned it in, um, and the next morning they gave me a phone call and we did an interview over the phone and, and, and I was accepted right then and there. And so I called mom, ecstatic, you know, her college graduate and his first job. And, and I said, you know, I'm so excited, I got a job, it's overseas, but I'm gonna be teaching English. I know I was a music major, but I'm gonna be teaching English. And, and I'm going to Africa to teach English. And she said, Africa, to t- well, where in Africa? And I said, the Czech Republic. <laughs> and she said, please, oh, please tell me that I, didn't, I just didn't spend a hundred plus thousand dollars on your education and you have no idea that you're going to Europe in a couple months. Um, I said, hey, I'm going to the Czech Republic in Europe. Um, when I got there, though... I mean, I didn't know where the Czech Republic was. I didn't have any calling. We don't have anybody in our family that's related to that. I've never even heard of the country before that. Um, In in my head, it was still Czechoslovakia, and I didn't even know that they had split as a country. Um, And I found all that out once I got there. Um, But on day one, after 24 hours of travel of planes and trains and buses and car rides and, and all kinds of crazy stories, I woke up the next morning, and I had this wave come over me of, I am home and this is where I'm supposed to be. And it was this amazing experience of God saying, I've called you into ministry. You know that. And now I've called you into a place. And it was several years before I figured out exactly how that was going to work out. But, but I knew right then in that moment, this is where I was supposed to be.
0: Yeah. How long after that did you meet your wife? Uh, did you meet Daniela?
1: Daniela, um, Daniela, I met Daniela about six years later. She's She's Czech. Um, She has a very different story than me, though, um, in regards to this. She actually grew up in the church. um, But in her church, there was a missionary couple, and they helped uh, lead the youth group in her church. And I honestly believe that it was seeing faith in action and faith that that the whole family was on mission together that I think that influenced her significantly and planted those seeds in her heart of, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a part of this. And God's confirmed that onto into her calling several different times. But I think there was, you know, for her it was seeing it and what it looked like to have an active, living, real faith amongst the struggles and trials that come with uplifting your family and moving them 6,000 miles across the ocean. And seeing that, in that, they had this unreal joy And she said, that's what I want for my family when we get older. And so when the two of us met six years later, uh, it was just a a match, and it was perfect. And we've been doing ministry ever since. And we get to do ministry as a couple, which is really exciting for us.
0: So you, I asked you how long uh, after that you met Danielle. What I was really wondering is if you were if you stayed for the right reasons, and and clearly you did. Right, clearly, yeah. it, wasn't clearly just it was her that It was kept Jesus, and okay. then like a bonus. So okay. It was like a, right. was like uh, a that's, hiring that's, bonus. That's, that's what yeah. I was curious about. Um, it was a it was a loaded question. Um, but uh, so, how long have you been doing ministry over there now? So 13 years. 13 years. Um,
1: this this past August, and um, so right now we're working with an organization called Josiah Venture. We love this organization. Um, The nutshell is we believe that there are future King Josiahs all over Europe. And if you don't know who King Josiah is, come ask me afterwards. But uh, we believe that there are people that God has called into ministry. But because of the circumstances that they're involved in, um, they don't have the the formal education or even really the abilities, know-how, resources understanding of what ministry looks like and so as an organization we've partnered with hundred and twenty churches in the country and we're walking them through what ministry looks like and what God's placed on their hearts to do as far as ministry and we're working through different ministry plans and equipping and resourcing and training them so that they can actually fulfill what God's placed on their hearts to do in their cities
0: okay. and how, how long with crew in Idaho
1: yeah Kim and I have been with crew for 28 years 28 years wow
0: so the the next question I kind of have for the two of you is: Do you think um, do you think that kind of uh, your calling? Well, let me let me share my my here. I'll share I'll share my story a little bit first. I like to jump ahead. Uh, these guys are special. I'm just here, um, but but kind of my background was uh, similar to what you're talking about. Is I had a period where. Uh, you know, I, I kind of knew, I knew the, the beginning of the gospel growing up. I understood that Jesus died on the cross, and, and that was important. But uh, the Jesus of my youth was the Jesus that really wanted me to behave. Um, and so I did the very best that I could to try and figure out how to behave. And then uh, it turned out I wasn't very good at it, and uh, I wanted to try some other things that didn't involve behaving. Um, and found out that there's no life in that. Um, and then so probably about uh, 19, 20 years old, I just I remember I was living in Reno at the time. And I said, I'm, I'm getting out of the living situation that I'm in. There's, there's no life here. And I moved back down here. And actually, my sister, Bonnie, who's sitting in the front row, said, hey, you should come to church. And I was like, yeah, I should. I'll go give all these rules another shot. You know, That was kind of my mentality was I'll try and keep the rules again. And I remember coming and sitting and hearing that that Joel was teaching about the New Covenant and this relationship with God, where it wasn't about me working really hard to please him, but there was this relationship where I could trust. And the results would follow and I and I kind of wanted to know more. What is that? I thought I thought Jesus just wanted me to behave. And, and it turns out he wants, <laughs> he does want that, but the manner in which he brings it about is totally different than what I thought it was. Um, and so I learned what what's the importance of the resurrection and who's the Holy Spirit and how do you walk by him? Um, and how does the Christian called to live a life that actually is pleasing to God, not in my strength, but in his. Uh, and shortly after that, as, as the scriptures were just opened, I went, I, I want to do this. I want to share what's in God's word. I want to be able to help people follow Jesus Christ closely based upon what's in the scriptures. And so I knew, right, I think I knew early on that, that, that opening up the scriptures, exposing what they say, and sharing them with other people was what I wanted to do. Um, I got involved in Bible studies, and I got involved in teaching in, in, in children's ministry um, and uh, at that point in time, PJ, um, uh, who was the youth pastor at the time, he was moving on into adult ministry. And the, and the youth pastor position opened up. I applied for it. And uh, in, in, in the politest way, as Stacy Trivett could tell me, he said, uh, if we were five years older, uh, we think we'd hire you. What he was saying was, is you're immature. Um, but, uh, uh, he said it way nicer than that. Um, so anyway, I, I just kind of kept plugging away and, uh, and worked in, worked in different jobs and, and kept using the spiritual gifts that I had, teaching small groups and stuff like that. We spent time in Denver, um, and I got to spend uh, a lot of time with my father-in-law who's a doctorate of ministries and I learned a whole lot about teaching the Bible and, um, then in, uh, what, what, 2000, uh, 2012, the, the job opened up here again and, uh, they didn't tell me I was immature this time, so <laughs> I hope I've proved them right. Um, but uh, the the question that I have though is is you know you're talking about a pastor, uh, um, a campus missionary, a, a missionary to the Czech Republic. Is is there is there something special about us compared to those who aren't in full time ministry?
1: You know, the longer I do this, and and so I've been doing this for 13 years. Matt's got 28 years, right? Yeah. I, the longer I do this, the, longer I, the more and more I actually have begun to really dislike the word missionary. Because as I study scripture and as I keep looking through the Great Commission and as it says, as you're going and as you're teaching and as you're baptizing, you have to disciple. That's the core root of what we do. And that, that calling is on all of us to be a part of that. We are all in some way on mission be it me in Europe mad on a college campus, uh, you in your community at work in your school in your in with your neighbors, we are all called into ministry. I think sometimes though God says I'm going to enlarge that a little bit. I'm going to bring you into something. I've got something special for you. But I think I think we're all called to do this and if and if we're just looking at well, you know, for our church to grow, we need to have a couple missionaries come in cuz you know, that's what missionaries do. We'll just pay a bunch of missionaries to, to reach our community. I think we've missed the heart of what church is all about. Yeah,
2: yeah I would agree with that. If we, in our organization, some probably 10, 15 years ago, we started uh, something that we call 100% Cent. And the idea had probably previously been that uh, it, within Cruise History, we would recruit students to come be a part of staff with crew and we would say things if, you know, as you're getting ready to graduate those of you going on into full-time missions or those going to become pastors you're going into ministry the rest of you are are going to other professions. Uh, Really what we've said today is we want every student regardless of their major, regardless of what's next that if they are living in relationship with Jesus and growing in him that every one of them would experience being sent out by our organization So it's to say, whether you're going off into business or teaching or uh, to be a lawyer or to be a full-time staff member of crew or to be a pastor, every one of you goes out, sent out on mission. I think it's dangerous if we all just have the idea that only the paid people are on mission. Uh, So one thing we would, I reinforce this each year in in April right before the, the end of a school year, I will ask students who are, maybe there's a group this large, and I would say, how many of you are going on summer missions this year with crew or with your church? And 15, 20 will usually raise their hands. And then uh, then I'll say to them, actually, every one of you, if you know Jesus and you're walking with him and growing in him, you are all on mission. Just some of you this summer will be more intentional than others. So I think the idea is that we are all 100% sent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I love these words here. Ezekiel says, As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is true of you. He set you. On, he, he set me on my feet. He, he empowered him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is true of you. And I heard him speaking to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is true of you. The Spirit of God indwells you. He empowers you. And God has placed you in the specific areas in your life that you are in order to carry his love and His life and His truth into those places. And it doesn't matter if we are a grocery store or a, uh, uh, the DMV. I don't, I don't care where you go tomorrow for work. God has sent you there as, uh, as His missionary in that place to share His life and His love. Um, and then so verse 3 and 4 we see, Then He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you, this, here's Ezekiel's call, I'm sending you to the sons of Israel, to rebellious house who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The idea there is it's all they've ever done. Um, From the beginning to this very day, they've rebelled and transgressed. I'm sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. And so uh, Ezekiel's call is specifically to the exiles in Babylon. Um, you're going to go to the exiles in Babylon and you're going to share this message with them. That's his specific direct calling. And that's really what we see the rest of this book as we go through it. Um, and we, we learn about these people that they're, they're rebellious. Uh, it's, and so what we see here is that God's call will include sharing his truth with people who are in a state of stubborn. It's literally stiff-necked. I'm, I'm going this direction, like it or not. They're obstinate. They're dug in. I'm not going to listen. Um, and they're dug in to rebellion. Uh, they're not acknowledging God for the place that he has in his life. And really, that is, that is, that is similar to the calling that we have. It, it's different. I, I'm not, none of us will probably head to Babylon to talk to exiles. Um, but we are here in the States, and Babylon and the States are not that different. Babylon and the Czech Republic are not that different. Um, and, and so we are called to a group of people who, uh, they, they, they don't know who God is. And and they need to know who God is. And and that's the ministry that we have in front of us. Uh, Now, within Western society, what we deal with is is that we deal with this, you know, keep your religious views to yourself. And so, uh, how would you guys respond to that? How do you respond to the idea within Western society that you should keep your religious views private? What do you think, Matt? I I think of two different
2: pictures on our campus. There is, um, there are open air preachers that will come on campus and I am not opposed to proclamation uh, gospel. But there are situations where a guy will come up, stand on campus, put a milk carton or milk crate down, he'll stand up on it and he will start preaching and he tends to be very harsh. Hmm. He will see women coming by dressed a certain way and he may call him a Jezebel. I mean, it's, it's harsh. And, and I would go, I think in those moments, hmm. All you need to do is stand around and realize for people to say you need to keep your beliefs to yourself that's that's totally the response what I what I love to do in our team is we will be around or we will be present when that is happening and we will walk up beside someone who's really agitated and ticked off at that guy and we'll say hey what are you thinking right now what are you Mm. feeling about this Um, and then we'll say did you did you grow up in any religious background yourself? Was that positive? Was that negative? Um, and, and I think there's a way that you can connect with a person that is through asking questions rather than the idea that I come in and I just tell you what I believe or what I think is about, true about Jesus. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think authenticity and in, in really trying to understand where the person is coming from is really key in these situations. Um, two things that, I, I, that come to mind with this. One, I was watching the news this morning, and and you know we've got a hurricane that's basically just brutally destroying the East Coast right now. Um, we can look at that, and there can be survivors that are that are there, and we can go in and we can say, Kurt, God saved your life because that it's amazing. Don't you want to accept Jesus into your heart right now? Because obviously God saved you from this. Well, oh, okay, that's not. Yes, that's true, but Kurt's immediate need right now is. My home was just destroyed. I, my, mentally, I'm not there right now. What I really need is just somebody to come alongside me and just help me out a little bit. And then that conversation comes forward. We had a student this year at camp. Um, he was, uh, his parents were gone. He was in the house alone. And within about 30 minutes, a thunderstorm came through. Lightning struck the house um, into his bedroom. He was actually in the hallway outside of his bedroom, lightning struck the bedroom, and within, uh, and within about two and a half hours, the house was gone. Um, he was able to get out, and I saw him immediately after uh, we were at youth group, and I drove up as soon as I could get out of youth group to get there, and I saw him, and my immediate thought was, praise God that you were saved. What I said was, how are you doing? And you could see on him that he was in complete and utter shock. And any words that came out of my mouth at that moment had to be love, sympathy, and I'm just, I'm here to hold you up for a little bit because that's what you need right now. Mom and dad are dealing with trying to figure out what's going on and insurance and firefighters and all kinds of stuff. And you, the sole survivor, the survivor of literally lightning between me and you, and you. Let's be real and authentic in the words that we're saying. A lot of the times, in my experience, when people fire up and have those walls and those barriers, it's, it's not necessarily that they're getting offended at what you're saying to them, but there's two things that are happening. One, they're being confronted by their sin, and, and it's like looking at a mirror and seeing how ugly that, that horrible zit or whatever it is, and, and realizing that's my whole body, that's my whole being, I'm being confronted by my sin. And that's just going to evoke an emotion. But at the same time, oftentimes there is years and years of baggage that's coming along into that conversation. And we need to be authentic and and really sympathize and empathize with those people and be able to show what a real relationship with God looks like, that loving creator, savior God that desires a relationship with them. But we have to meet some needs along the way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when we, uh, we got to do an exit tour with you guys where we, uh, a couple years ago where we go into local high schools and um, help teach English classes and then eventually you get to have conversations with them and, and just the way that the conversations go, inevitably you end up on, on spiritual content. And what I was amazed was how willing people were to talk, um, but all we did was ask questions. I didn't, I didn't, nobody barged in and said, hey, here's what we believe and here's the Romans road. And, you know, we didn't do any of that. We just took time to talk to them. We asked them questions. We tried to understand who are you and where are you coming from and what's your background? And what, what, what got uncovered a lot in the Czech Republic was people who had been hurt by religion. So their, their mindset was, hey, I've been a part of a church. I kind of actually even like the idea of Jesus. I think, I, think, I think there's a God and it might even be him, but you're not going to catch me walking through the doors of a church because all they've done is control and hurt us. Um, and, and, and so the, the thing there is you're asking questions like Matt is talking about, and you're uncovering who are you And how can I care for you? Um, It's not not about this, you know, let me pound you with some information. It's I care about you. Um, And it's not not contrived. Because the love of God is within me, I care about you. And I want to know who you are. Um, And I want to guide you towards a relationship with God. But before I go there, I'm going to understand you. Um, and I think that if you can carry that mindset, um, the, the, other thing, the other thing that we did when we went to the Czech Republic is uh, beforehand, uh, Kevin said, hey, everybody on your team, we want you to have a, a three-minute pres- presentation of your testimony and sharing the gospel, a 90-second and a 30-second. 30, 30 seconds is like, you know, four sentences. Um, but we want you to do that. And what it did is it caused the students and, and me to go, wow, how would I share Jesus and my testimony in three minutes in 90 seconds in 30 seconds um, and so what it, what it caused you to have is a plan it wasn't like gosh maybe, maybe I don't know what to say I do know what to say because I've thought about it and I've prayed about it and I've written it out and, and I know what I would say um, and what I would say is if you can carry that mindset into your workplace, into your friend groups, into your family, if you can carry that mindset of I care about the people around me because God cares about the people around me. And I want to ask them questions and uncover who they are and where they're coming from and what their background is. And, and I'm actually going to prayerfully take time to think about how would, I share with, how would I share with my uncle or how would I share with my coworker the gospel in 90 seconds? How would I do that? You know, we're grabbing a cup of water, or you know, we're having a coffee break. How would I share Jesus with them in 90 seconds once I've uncovered who they are and where they've come from? And so, what you hear, what I want you to hear is there's intentionality about saying uh, sh- sharing Jesus Christ matters to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be thoughtful about this process. Um, and, and for for what we see for Ezekiel is is that's what God has God has empowered him and he stood him on his feet. Um, he's indwelled him. He's given specific direction. And he says, I love the phrase here at the end. He says, you go and say to them, thus says the Lord God. Uh, when, when you go to them, make sure that your words are my words. Make sure that you're sharing the truth that you know about me with these people. Um, but, but get the time, take the time to know them. Actually, in the next chapter, when it says that Ezekiel goes and he sits among the people um, for, for weeks at a time. Or he, he just sits among them. And he's getting to know who are these people, who are the exiles. So Ezekiel practices what we're talking about as well. Um, But this is huge. Just understand that when you go to people, uh, one, they may not respond well. And that's what we see here in the next set of verses. It says, As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor their words. Though thistles and thorns are among you, and you sit on scorpions... Neither fear their words, nor be dismayed at their presence, for they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. And so what we see here is that when the truth of God is spoken, people will know it for what it is. They will know that a prophet was among them. When you share the truth of who God is, kind of like Kevin was talking about a minute ago, uh, sin becomes real and, and God becomes real. And that may cause different reactions from them, which is what, which, what he says here. Though you may be among thorns and thistles and th- sit on scorpions, um, when, they know, when they hear the truth of God, they're going to know it for what it is. And it may invoke a response that is defensive, basically. Um, and so the speaker of god 's truth may face reper- repercussions for doing so, but God ensures that he'll look after those who step up and obey his call. And so the question for you guys is um, how often do you find people listen to what you share about God is is it um, and then and then how often do you get a response that's maybe negative? Well, I think uh, th-
2: there is a like a humanist organizations on campus. I mean, you've got a Christian organization, you've got humanist student organizations. Um, sometimes they will actually have things out on the quad in the open area where there's these people being like de-baptized. You can tell these people have really significant hang ups and, and have experienced bad things in their religious upbringing. So they're making this big show of where we might celebrate baptism, they would celebrate de-baptism, the idea that, I'm rejecting whatever I've been brought up in there is uh, no doubt that in society and in culture there are there are people who have uh, Not violent although. I'm sure that can happen, but very strong Reactions against the gospel message we encounter it. Sometimes it's more dismissive. It's more that's ridiculous you know Uh, I have reason you operate on faith uh, you know, you're just empty-headed, but I think things through. That's generally the types of responses I think that we get. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, on a college campus, uh, my experience on college campuses was that sometime professors could be uh, a little bit aggressive towards what I believed. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's something that gets dealt with it on, on a university versus the campus. How would you coach a student towards dealing with that? They've got a professor that's kind of attacking where they're coming from. How, how should, what's a good response?
2: Yeah, I I think it is true, it does happen. I wouldn't say it happens all the time, but I hear it at least a couple times a year. Certain professors will either even specify a particular student because they've been vocal about something or just in general, they make very broad statements uh, against faith, against Christianity, against religious belief. Um, I think Joel and I were talking a little bit last night after you'd asked this question. Uh, We were talking in Ephesians where um, God's word says we are um, light. I think what happens even in that type of situation with a professor, um, it it may be advisable for a student to say something back, but I think light exposes something. I think the presence of that student in the classroom Mm. causes that professor to say something. And whether that student says anything back or not, I think exposure has taken place. Mm. Like that professor has just... um, Exposed, probably some folly, some anger, some uh, hurt, something some like hurt, yeah. something. So I think uh, I would help a student navigate that. But I think um, perhaps it is with a verbal response. Perhaps it's perhaps it's not. But I think light has done its job in exposing
1: the darkness. Hmm. With us. Um what we typically see is that actually most people are willing to engage in a conversation that talks about spiritual things. Um, I think world over the world is looking for some answers and they 're trying to figure out what there 's got to be something more to this there 's got to be more than just uh, two little two little you know cells got together, did a little jig, and suddenly we had creation there 's got to be something more to that story and and I think people are asking the questions about spirituality. It's oftentimes Christians are actually afraid to engage in that conversation. We're actually afraid of the response that we might get, and so it's sometimes easier to, to not initiate a conversation in the first place than risk, I don't know the answer to what that person's going to say. Or um, I remember the first time that I engaged with a Jehovah's Witness, and I realized that the Jehovah's Witness knew his Bible significantly better than I did, and I was fumbling over verses and saying, well, somewhere in the Bible, it says something about I, I, and by that time, he'd already moved on to point three in the conversation. And I just walked away saying, I got to know more about my faith. It has to be more than I, I sing a couple songs and pray a pr- couple prayers, show up to a service or two. And It's got to be something more. It's got to be something I, I play out day in and day out. Now, with that, Um, We have seen in the Czech Republic physical responses to the gospel. Um, Our church has had things thrown at it. We had um, one guy who came up and just started pounding on the windows one day at a service. Um, The most crazy thing that we ever saw, um, just because it seemed so far out of the blue, we were at a camp and uh, one of the neighbors down the road, I mean he wasn't even at the same facility, but at night the way the sound carried over the fields, um, he could hear the message that we, were, that we were saying and he got really mad and uh, the, next, uh, the next morning he came and he said, you know, I don't agree with what you guys are saying and, and, I, and I just don't agree with it. And he got really agitated about it and just kind of apologized that, you know, if, that's, if he didn't agree with that. The next night, though, he heard the same thing, showed up and uh, the following night, he actually drove his car into the property and just laid on his horn for a half hour. And there was nothing I could do. He rolled up the windows, hit the lock button. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't engage in conversation. just, uh, for half an hour. I just started praying, God, let that battery die fast. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing else you could do. What I found, though, is our response to those situations can be an amazing testimony to these people. That we don't flare up in anger when the professor responds to it. That we don't just get all hot-headed and just start spitting evil words back and, you know, raising all hellfire and condemnation. Well, you're going to hell and that's that, you know, they, that just doesn't work. Because it's, you can't convince them of, of salvation. You can't convince them that God exists. That's the role of the spirit. That's the role of God. Our role in this conversation is to be the messenger. And so we have to remember what role we're playing in these conversations.
0: Yeah. It, you know, one of the things that, that, I, that I learned in, uh, when I work for the rec department, you get in a basketball situation and uh, people are playing a contact sport, but somehow they forgot. Uh, and uh, there, there's all sorts of contact, but people aren't expecting it. And so they can get heated. Um, and uh, sometimes you make a call and they don't like the call that you made. Um, and, and there's, there's kind of two things you can do there. You can respond in kind and the situation will get worse. It'll get bigger. Or you can you can think I, my job here is to make my job is to de-escalate my job is to not make the situation worse or bigger but my job is to make the situation smaller so that we can actually be rational and thoughtful and and have a conversation right and I learned what it was to say the wrong thing to a, a, a player on the on the on the court. Um, I remember I asked one guy one time, I said, uh, what, what, what team do you play for? And he was like, Reds 395. I said, oh, not the Chicago Bulls? Um, that made the situation bigger. Um, but there's So there's, there's, there's things that you can do that, that are going to make the situation worse, and there's things that you can do in your response that are going to make the situation better. Um, and I think when we respond in the strength of the Holy Spirit with peace and love and grace and kindness, the situation gets smaller and we're able to love and serve versus just be combative. Um and I think that's really huge. Um, next set of verses here, uh, it goes on with Ezekiel. He says, Now you, son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. And, and what he's saying is you, you're going to be the example. Kind of like what I was just saying. Our, our job is to be the example in those situations of how would Christ respond. Um as, as the indwelling Holy Spirit acts in me, how am I going to respond to the person in front of me? And that's what he's saying to Ezekiel. He says, don't be rebellious like them, but instead follow in my footsteps. And, and then he says, open your mouth and eat what I'm giving you. He says, then look and behold, a hand was extended to me, and lo, a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me, it was written on front and back, uh, written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. And what we see here is that when God calls a person to speak on his behalf, he requires a willing servant who will speak based on what he knows of God, even if that's hard truth. Uh, those, those three words there, lamentation, mourning, and woe, as we go through Ezekiel, we're going to see that he is called to this group of people that he's going to tell them how God is going to judge their nation. Um, that's his job. You're going to go to these people and you're going to talk to them about how God is going to judge you for being rebellious against him. Um, and and that, that's his job. Uh, I, think, I think our job is a little bit different. Uh, when we get into the New Testament, we, we bring forward the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. Um, I think there are times when lamentation, mourning, and woe can take place. I think of an instance with a co worker when I worked for the bank um, who uh, she was in a lesbian lifestyle. It was very clear, and she just asked me, um, What do you think about my lifestyle? In some downtime. And she said, What do you think about this? And I said, I, think, I, I just think God has so much more for you. Um, I think you're missing out on the greatness of, of what God has in design for sexuality. And I think you're missing out on, on a relationship with him that's way bigger than what you have right now. And, and so the lamentation in the morning and the woe was, I think you're missing out. Um, and, and long story short, she responded to all that and wanted to know a lot more about Jesus and eventually ended up following him. But so the, the, the message we carry is not to a group of, of people who were telling them how God's going to judge their nation. Um, Our job is to carry the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would make disciples and guide them towards relationship with Jesus. And so the question I have for you guys is, how has God sustained and empowered your ministry um, of sharing the truth of Jesus Christ? How has his word been sort of the guidance for what you do?
2: Well, I think of just exactly when we present the gospel message, it is um, saying what God's word has to say in this context. So specifically, a message that we're speaking a lot is that you are designed by God, made by him, created by him to know him, to live life in relationship with him. But then, of course, we know um, that uh, for all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God and, and the result of that is death. And, but, and then going to the answer of Jesus that I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. I think we we can do what we can to reason, to soften, to to help build bridges in relationship. But the power of what we do is in God's word itself. His word is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, And so I think presenting God's word is what really allows people to respond to the situation that's being presented to them. Yeah, that's
0: good.
1: I would add to that that sometimes we need to be reassured of some things along the way and um, callings into ministry or promises that God's given us. And I actually keep a list of verses that are very significant to me on my phone in a little notes app. And and there are times when I need to go back and read through those verses and read, remember those promises. Remember, um, it's just kind of a, a short little testimony over the years of it's my personal journey of where God's led me and when he called me to this and when I dealt with this and the promise that he had for this and and the success here and and how he blessed this and I I have to go back through those sometimes because sometimes we get so caught up in in the battle you know we're on a battlefront I mean we're on the front lines of spiritual battle on this and we can get beat up pretty easily sometimes um, and that's not just in Europe. That's here, too. You realize that this is a spiritual battle that we're engaged in, and, and you can get beat up after a while. And so c- taking that time to step back and, and refresh and realign and make sure that we haven't strayed off in any way and, and even taking a self-examination of your heart and saying, you know, have I somewhere strayed in any of this? Um, you know, is some of that word that I'm speaking to others also in turn speaking to myself? Do I need to see some of those lamentations and woes myself because I've maybe strayed in a couple different areas and so it's self-reflective in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of two things you're saying here Kevin you're saying that that the the how God's word has sustained you is it's where you go to renew your mind. It's where it's where when you're When when you're getting a little bit beat up or you're worn down or emotionally, physically, whatever the case may be, I'm going to turn to these verses that are sort of your life verses, so to speak, and you've put them in your phone, and I'm going to review these, and I'm going to review what I know of God and what he says of me, and he's going to sustain me through that. Um, And in turn, oftentimes
1: as I go through those verses, I immediately see how that verse applies to uh, Paul over here and Lukash over here and John over here, and all of a sudden, how God's speaking to me and the testimony that's happening in my life in that moment, I immediately see that it's actually some of those answers that I've been seeking for students that we're working with or leaders that we're working
0: with. So he revitalizes you, uh, so to speak, and then he gives you what you need to say to the person based upon his word, which is what you were saying, Matt. When we share the gospel, we're sharing, we're just sharing scripture with people. It's not complicated. Um, I don't have to come up with some special message. I just share what God has done. Uh, and, I, and I think that's huge. Uh, one of the things you said is you talked about building bridges. Uh, I was recently listening to a, um, uh, a video online of some apologists. And what they were saying is you kind of uh, have to picture that you're, you're kind of on a mountain over here. And, and, and the person you're, you're talking to is on a mountain over here. And, and you can dip down through the valley and, and carry your message up the hill over there. He said, or you can take the time to build a bridge to that person. And if you build the bridge, the message is much easier to carry. Uh, and that's really what we're talking about, is how, how do you share the message of Jesus in a winsome way? And uh, on your handout there is the word warmth. Uh, the W is just watch for opportunities. Uh, if you will watch for opportunities, be prepared. Have a three-minute, a 90-second, th- uh, three and a 30-second, uh, how you're going to share the gospel. Um, be prepared and watch for opportunities. Uh, and then the, the, the other thing that we've heard these guys say multiple times is, just ask what others think. Don't enter the situation with, I have to tell you all these things. But ask the ask the person in front of you, what, where are you coming from? What do you think about this? And then the, the R is respect the person and listen. Take the time to, to listen to them and where are they coming from and what's going on with them. I shared with you guys last week that uh, I went to the dentist a few weeks ago and the hygienist found out I was a pastor and she shared me her whole background about being raised in the church up at the lake, and then when she turned 18, she got some freedom, um, and she decided she was going to go search out different religions, and kind of where she landed was all religions do the same thing, and they all lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe or where you're coming from. Everybody's eventually going to make their way to God. She was just expressing religious pluralism. Um, and so the, the M is make loving nudges uh, towards truth. And so when when I was done with that, we walked out and I said, hey, um, I'd love for you to read this book. Um, it's called Jesus Among Other Gods by Ravi Zacharias. You should pick up a copy. And then when I left, I said, you know what, I'm going to pick her up a copy. And so I hopped on Amazon and I had it ordered. And then last week I went to the dentist for a filling. I don't want to talk about that part. Um, but I went to the dentist and, and we did the filling and when we were done, she, I saw that she was working and I said, hey, this is, I'm not going to mention her name, but this is for her and I'd love to give it to her. And the, the reception goes and grabs her and she comes out and she said, this is such a great surprise. And her, her response was, you, you actually kind of care about me. Um, You took the time to to invest, and I said, yeah, I I wrote a little note in there. I'd love for you to read that, read the book, and the next time we get together, I'd I'd love to talk to you more about it. Um, And so the next thing, the T, is take time and follow up. I've got to follow up with her. I've got to take the time to continue to invest in this relationship and and, and not just act like I care about her, but but care about her. Um, And then the, the H is have patience and pray. Um, I can tell you that, that in our family, uh, we had a family member who it was, it was over a decade that we prayed and we shared the gospel and we lived our life in front of him and we walked the Christian life and we owned our mistakes when we made them, um, but we just had patience and we prayed and eventually this family member reaches a point, God, God put situations in his life that he said, I, I, want, I want what you have. Um, and so it might take a decade or more before you see the response that you were hoping for, but have patience and pray. Let me wrap up with just that. Heavenly Father, uh, we we do thank you for your word and the goodness of what you reveal to us through uh, the entirety of Scripture. And that is a simple thing that you want relationship with us. And, and then once you have relationship with us and we're your children uh, you have a specific calling and ministry in mind for each and every one of us I thank you that the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian all over the world including everybody in this room that is your follower I thank you that you set us on our feet and you empower us and that I pray that we listen to what you're saying to us uh, that we wouldn't be like the rebellious house but instead uh, we would be an example of what it is to follow you that we would take the Commission the great Commission of sharing your life and your love and your truth with people, that we take that seriously, that we'd have a plan for the people in our lives, how we could share you with those individuals, that we'd look for opportunities, we'd take the time to invest in people and ask them what they believe, uh, that we would respect them and listen and then make loving nudges towards truth, that we'd follow up with them, we'd take that time. And we'd have patience and pray uh, for what you're going to do in that individual's life. I thank you so much that we can have Matt and Kevin with us this morning. Uh, so much experience for them to share. And I pray that it impacts the way that we approach the ministry that you have given us um, in our in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. You give each of us um, ministry in those areas. And I pray that we would uh, be impacted and and move forward with uh just what you're teaching us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.